Well, with it is great pleasure that I get to introduce our speaker today. He's worked so hard to come this far. He's worked hard on this sermon. So, my friend, my brother, Sam Diggity Duncan. It's on. Oh, hello. Okay, wow, there's a lot of people here. Okay. Um, I want to thank all of y'all for coming up here today. I want to thank my mom and my friends to come. I want to thank every one of you. You know, this is um, this is a blessing. You know, I um, about a month and a half ago, pastor asked me, hey, do you want to give a sermon? And first I was like, nah, dude, I, that that ain't me. You know, that ain't me. But uh. You know, God just laid it on my heart that I had to do something like this, you know, and expand what he wants me to do. Um, So with that, um, I am going to be speaking my sermon. And uh, the title for it is Faith Takes Action and Action Fuels Faith, which is really big. You know, I, I remember about a month and a half ago, I was, you know, just working, you know, in a wash bay where I'm at, and I'm just spraying all this dirt and scum all of, and uh, he just, faith kept on coming to my mind, you know, and I was like, you know, I've always had trouble with faith, you know, and I was like, you know what, God, if you want to do this, then you, you do whatever you want, so, with that, I'm going to go on with, faith takes action, and action fuels faith, and I'm sorry, I'm speeding, I'm very nervous, you know, um, you know, if also, before, if you have a hard time understanding me, I apologize, I call it a Russian accent, my parents and CJ call it a speech impediment, so, um, <laughs> you know, just, just gonna say that, so, here I go, um, every one of you here today has faith, every single one of you, but I'm not just talking about religious faith. I'm talking about just worldly faith altogether. You know, all of y'all had faith today that when you sat down at that chair that you wouldn't fall. You know, every, I mean, sometimes I wish I do, you know, but it's whatever. But all of y'all had faith that, you know, it wouldn't fail. And, um, you know, that's it's the same way we have to look for God. You know, we have to uh, look for him that when we fall, you know, that he, he's going to catch us, you know. And it says in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 31, 8, it says, says, Is the Lord who goes before you, he will be with you, and he will not leave you, nor will he forsake you. He is going to be by your side 24-7, 24-7. No matter what you do, you know, he's always got two angels right beside you. He's always looking down. You know, sometimes he might be like, really, dude, that's, that's what you're going to do? You know, which I know he's done that to me multiple times, but he's always going to be by your side, you know. Um, So with that, let's go to prayer. Uh, Jesus, I just want to thank you for today, Lord. Um, I know I'm very nervous, but I just ask that you just uh, set me aside and you just uh, talk through me. And um, whatever you have for me to say, I just ask that you just say it openly. And, And, you know, I praise you with everything that I have. And uh, I want to thank you for this opportunity. In your name I pray. Amen. So, my point number one is, what is faith? 
Well, it's almost impossible to put the meaning of faith in a nutshell. Um, But in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, the overall definition of faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Or in other words, believing without seeing. Period. Um, You know, um, about 20 years ago, as you guys know, my mom's here. God bless us all. She was able to come. I was very happy. My dad wasn't able to come. He's at work, but I know he's, uh, he texted me this morning that he's praying for me. But uh, about 20 years ago, um, my mom broke her back. You know, she um, worked in the emergency room, and she was lifting a patient once, and, um, you know, it just wasn't well, and she broke it, you know. And um, I, I remember when I was really little and everything, I always asked mom, you love Jesus, right? And she would always say yes. And I was like, well, then how come a God who's so loving is going to do something like that to a child that loves him so well? Why would he even put you through that kind of pain? Like, that makes no sense. Why, why would he want to hurt his children? Why would he want to hurt the people that he loves? And my mom, you know, said it in a still, a still small voice. She said, it's a test. Test? What kind of test? A test of faith. You see, God puts us through things, not for the fun of it, but he lets things happen to us to see if we will still seek and trust him every day. Every day. You know, I mean, it, it, you know, one of my favorite stories about faith is Job. You know, God let Satan and Lucifer at the time test Job. He killed his sons, his daughters, he killed his flock, destroyed his belongings, his house. For Pete's sake, his wife even told Job to blaspheme the name of God just so he wouldn't have to go through these trials and tribulations. Like, to me, that's a little messed up. And being honest, back then, I probably wouldn't, I probably would have blasphemed God, you know. Like, I'm not that type of person who likes pain at all, you know. So, I mean, I definitely would have been like, yeah. Do it. But Job, knowing Job, he, he loved God so much that even with God letting Satan put him through all this stuff, you know, he just he just let God do his will because he knew that God had a purpose for him and everything that he does, everything that God does, God has a plan and a purpose. He knew what would happen to us before the world was even created. Like, mic drop. You know, um, you know, and uh, yeah, so, you know, um, Job even cried out, the Lord who gives and takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord. You know, it don't, um, you know, I think it says in like Revelation or something, even when you're facing death, you know, if, uh, if, if. You just praise God and everything that you do. You know, he's going to bless you up in heaven. It don't matter, like Pastor Luke was saying, it don't matter what worldly things you have on this earth. You know, it, none of this matters. It, um, in the end, seeing God's face and saying, and him saying, well done, my good and faithful servant. You know, that's that's all I want to hear. You know, I ain't trying to hear God say, well, you, you did this, you know, now you're going to hell. I ain't trying to burn up for the rest of my life. Like, I ain't trying to deal with that. Um, and like the verse James uh, chapter 1 verse 3, 
says, For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. There's always something to learn when you're going through something in your life. Yes, it might not be the easiest or the most fun time at the moment, but going through the struggles makes you stronger and realize you trust and you need God. Period. Period. I know I um, always, everything, you know, um, when this past year, as you know, I hit my one year sober. Um, this was, this was very, very hard. And, and being honest, I, I, I never thought that I would ever stay sober. You know, I, I, one of my favorite mottos when I was using drugs was I'm going to get high until I die. You know, th- that's what it was. But, um, being sober, you know, I kind of realized that what's the point of using a substance is, is to be able to hide the, what is it? Hide the um, the struggles, the emotions, whatever you're going through at that moment. But then once the high or, or or the alcohol, whatever gets out of your system, it's still there no matter what. So I mean, you know, might as well just have God work in your life. You know, He's He's not gonna steer you in the wrong direction. You know, you have to trust Him in everything that you do. Um, you know, but I've always had a problem with faith in my life. Wanting to be a Christian one moment and then falling into the world the next. But God, knowing who he is, has always kept his arms wide open, no matter what I have done. Like I said, yeah, sometimes he might be like really saying, what are you doing? Come on, get your head in the game, dude. Like, duh. You know, but um, he, he, he put people on my path. You know, he put my parents in my path, which believe in God, uh, believe in him and to guide me in the right direction. You know, he's he's given me CJ, you know, he's given me friends that I haven't seen in a very long time, you know, and he's given me all these people. But it was my choice to be able to want to get my life together. You know, it's just me and nobody else can make that decision for you except for yourself. Um, You know, but but he never stopped there. Um, my parents, regardless of how much I didn't want Christ, they kept on inviting Jesus into my life. And I, I remember in everything that we did, you know, we used to, uh, um, you know, we, uh, brain fart. Uh, we used to go at the middle of the night. I mean, uh, we used to go, you know, before we went to bed and my mom and dad would round us all up on the couches and we would read, you know, or, or we would pray, you know, before we ate or uh, they would make us go to church, <laughs> which I'm telling you back then I didn't want to go to church. You know, I love going to church now. But I mean, they they did specific things to have us to have God in our lives because they knew that no matter what they went through, God was always there for them, and they wanted that same blessing for me and my brothers and sisters. No matter how ornery we wanted to be in life. You know, my parents endured, and sometimes I wish that they sent me back to Russia. But, <laughs> um, you know, they, they loved me so much that they just wanted to give this gift to me. And, and for that, I am truly grateful for. Otherwise, I wouldn't be standing here today. Um, and, um, you know, I, I remember one night, you know, my dad and I were in the basement, you know, doing some kind of thing. And I, I told my dad, like, 
I don't, I don't fully believe in Jesus. You know, um, I'm that type of guy where I need to see action. I need to see proof in everything that I do. And, um, you know, I, I, oh crap. <laughs> he stopped, and, you know, my dad, he stopped what he was doing. And, uh, you know, he just looked at me and he told me, well, you want proof of something? You know, they actually found the ark that Noah built in, in a mountain in Turkey someplace. You know, which was, I was like, oh, really? That's big. And I think my parents went um, a couple years ago to see, like, a replica of that. And there was, like, a, um, yeah, a replica, wasn't it? A replica? Yeah, it was a replica, which I was actually kind of jealous because I would like to see that. But then, um, if that wasn't enough proof for me, they actually found, um, in the Red Sea, they found, you know, spears and horse bones and chariots and all that other stuff in there. You know, and I'm like, you know, this one thing, how how could a sea split open? That's, like, physically impossible if you want to look into physics. But... You know, God God can do anything in this world. He can make a, a, a an addict, you know, be sober. You know, he can make someone who, who has hated God their whole life, you know, make something happen in their life where they're like, oh, you are real, you know, which happened to me multiple times, you know. Um, and at that moment, I remember having a small little faith. I remember having that small little faith, the, uh, the little faith of a mustard seed right there. And I started to wanting to expand on Jesus a little bit and uh, see where he would take me. You know, I wanted to find more information about that, which, um, which brings me to my second point in my sermon, which is um, faith takes action. Everything that you do, you have to walk it and you have to talk it. You know, um, and uh, there's going to be a video showing up um, about, well, it's called Facing the Giants. If you ever want to see me cry like a little baby, that is the movie to play. Um, but uh, I want you to watch this movie, and I want you to listen to what Mr. Bridges has to tell Coach Taylor. So if you guys want to play the movie. Bridges? Revelation chapter 3 says, We serve a God that opens doors that no one can shut, and he shuts doors that no one can open. He says, Behold, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know you have a little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Coach Taylor, the Lord is not through with you yet. You still have an open door here. And until the Lord moves you, you're to bloom right where you're planted. I just felt led to come and tell you that today. Mr. Bridges. You believe God told you to come tell me that? I do. I admit to you I have been struggling. But I've also been praying. I just don't see him at work here. Grant, I heard a story about two farmers 
who desperately needed rain. And both of them prayed for rain. But only one of them went out and prepared his fields to receive it. Which one do you think trusted God to send the rain? Well, the one who prepared his fields for it. Which one are you? God will send the rain when he's ready. You need to prepare your field to receive it. cried there. <laughs> God puts you in a place and he ain't gonna he ain't gonna move you until he's ready to move you. That right there, you know, I, I remember talking to Pastor Todd and I asked him like, I don't think I want to do this. You know, CJ or Ryan, you know, they're, they're good at this stuff. I can't talk to anybody, period. And I'm impressed I haven't just broken down crying right now talking to y'all. But, um, uh, you know, and watching that, I'm like, wow, you know, God has a purpose for me. You know, I'm not a mistake. I was never a mistake in my life. Never. Um, you know, I always... I always thought, wow, they're like, I'm, I'm nothing, you know, I'm, I'm a piece of crap, you know. But uh, coming to this church, you know, it's realized how much God has actually done something in me. You know, like, I'm, I'm different in so many levels. I, I remember a year ago I was, you know, saying I didn't believe in Jesus. You know, I hated God and everything, you know, but now I'm standing here preaching, <laughs> which I would have never imagined me, you know, 21-year-old, you know, telling people about Jesus, like, no, nah, dude, but, um, you know, you see, in order to have a stronger faith, you must work for it, it doesn't just come to us, you have to pep in that step, you know, you gotta, you gotta do uh, with everything that you do you have to take 110 percent 120 130 everything that you got if you don't work at it there ain't gonna be a result whatever you do now will affect the future so if you don't do anything for god right now then he ain't gonna bless you in in the future you know but if you if you earn for god and if you want him with everything that you have inside of you the blessings will flow, and he's going to keep on coming and keep on coming and keep on coming until it's a place where you don't even know what to do anymore, you know. Um, and um, so let me um, let me put it to you this way for all you football fans. Talking to you, Ron. <laughs> um, you know, before any football team starts the preseasons or any games, they have to practice. The coaches uses different techniques from last year to see if they could switch it up for this year, uh, um, you know, to see what they're good on the offense or defense or how the quarterback has to throw that football, you know. Even though, yeah, no, okay. Um, but to be able to get ready to face the enemy or the other team in this case, um, th th it's the same thing for us. We have to... Yeah, it's the same thing for us. Um, you know, the difference between us and, and them is we are fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against ru rulers and authorities of the unseen world, which is why we have to use what God gave us to be able to fight against the enemy. You know, we have to be able to pray. 
know just one thing. We have to be able to talk to Jesus. If we don't talk to Jesus, if we don't, like Pastor keeps on saying, if we don't just spend that time to be with him, he ain't going to be able to talk to us. You know, if we're around other people and we're just playing, hey, Jesus, you want to talk to me? And sometimes he will. You know, he, he talks to everybody differently. But you be, have to be able to have that time where it's just you and him. You know, uh, before you get this right, before you get us and the other people that you're connected with right, you have to get this up here right first. You know, without any blessings from here, you have to be able to talk to him. You know, so therefore we have to pray and we have to armor up every day. We have to be able to buckle the belt of truth around our waist. We have to cover our heart with the breastplate of righteousness. We have to be able to protect our feet with the shoes of the gospel peace. We have to, oh, by using the shield of faith to protect all, ourselves from spiritual attacks. Um, you know, we have to wear the helmet of salvation to be able to protect our mind at all costs. And by carrying the sword, which is the Bible, of the spirit to ward off the evil. It was interesting, you know, um, I was talking to Pastor Luke uh, about a, a couple weeks ago. You know, and, and we were going through this, you know, as I was trying to figure out what I wanted to say in the sermon and what God wanted me to put into it. And, uh, you know, he asked me the question of, you know, what is one thing out of the whole armor of God that is not protected? You know, I was like, arms? You know, the arms, you know? No, 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 that the shield covers that. Well, I don't really know. He said, your back. Your back is the only thing that is not protected. When you put on the armor of faith. Well why is that? Because your back should never be turned against the enemy. Never. Never. Otherwise he's going to strike in every direction that you have. He's already striking at you. He's already going to put things in your path. That, that you know it's, it's really tough. But you should never have your back against the devil. Otherwise he's just going to take that sword and stab it straight through you. And he ain't going to care. He don't care about us. Not at all. He only cares about himself only cares about himself. Um, you see, I, be, I believe everywhere we go, there are angels and demons fighting. The angels are fighting for us. The demons are fighting for us. The only difference is one's for us and one's against us. You know? Um, it, it's easy to talk to talk. But it's harder to walk the walk. You, you know, I, I can't one minute be up here and telling you guys about faith and telling you guys, oh, well, you need to repent, you sinners, you know, you got to do this and that if I'm going home and sinning the next moment. That's not how it works. God don't bless you that way. If anything, if anything, he's going to just, you know, punish you. And he punishes you in all different kinds of ways. He's going to take away the blessing that, you know, he wants to give you. But how is he supposed to bless you for, for the wrongdoings that you're doing, you know? If, I, if I'm doing bad at the house and everything, hey, mom, I, I, I hit my brother in the face. Oh, good job, Sam. Here's a piece of candy. Makes no sense. They ain't going to reward you for something bad you did. They're going to reward you for something good you did. You know, and, and over time, 
That's what happens over time when you when you read the Bible and you armor up and, and you talk to God and you do good deeds and everything that you do. You know, God's going to bless you for that. But in my life, of course, I could never walk the walk. I was always one foot in and one foot out. You know, as it says in uh, Revelation 3.16, says, But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit, out, I will spit you out of my mouth. God don't like when you're hypocrites. No, well, no, none of us like us each other when we're hypocrites. We can't, I mean, how, how, we're supposed to be able to trust each other. We're supposed to be able to be together in everything that we do. And, and, and you know, if I'm with CJ, you know, back, uh, let me take you back to the street life, okay, a little bit. Let me take you back. If we're, if we're walking down the street, you know, and there's some people that we don't know, I, say, I expect CJ to have my back, you know. I, I expect that he's going to be by my side, so if things go south, then, you know, I, I know I got someone right next to me. But it's going to really suck if I'm walking and CJ knows those people and he stabs me in the back. You know, I'm all good. You know, I got you, dude. It's okay. Okay. You know, and then I get shot next. That's not how it works. We've got to be able to be together in everything that you do. Um, you have to be one. You can't be both. You can either choose good or you can choose bad. You can't be both in anything that you do. Because that's not how it works. And when I figured that out, that's when I started making the excuses like, I don't want God to control me. You know, I'm my own man. You know, I'm a, I'm a grown adult. I remember I, me telling my mom that so many times. Dude, uh, I, I'm an adult. You know, you can't tell me what to do. You know, um, but if God doesn't control your life, then the devil does. And, um, you, you know, when the devil's controlling your life, it ain't going to be good. It ain't going to be good. You know, and I, I let the devil control my life so many times. You know, and it's just, it's, it's got me to a place where I was homeless, where I was using drugs, where I didn't care about my family. Um, I practically just spit in their faces, you know, and said, screw you. Um, you know, I, I, even though I didn't say, hey, devil, I want you in my life, the actions that I was doing, just let him come in. I, I was pretty much saying, hey, you know, whatever, dude, come on, we can be best buddies. Yeah, that's just going to get me to a place where I don't want to be anymore. You know, um, so, um, but if God controls your life, he will never steer us in the wrong direction. He loved us so much that he gave his only son to die on that cross. I should be up there right now. You know, my hand, whoop. I should be up there right now with my hands nailed and my feet nailed. You know, I should have gotten whipped so many times. I should be up there. But God loved us so much that he sent his only son to die on the cross to take, care, to take away our sins. He did something that he shouldn't have done. You know, God was perfect in an imperfect world. You know, one, the one thing I always like, um, I always like thinking of is God, God didn't come to, I mean, Jesus didn't go to the people who were like good people. He went to the people who were suffering. He went to the prostitutes. He went to the homeless. You know, he went to the people that people were shunning on. You know, he didn't like them. And he showed them a way 
that they needed to live. You know, God was perfect in an imperfect world. He did something for us that he shouldn't have done, but yet he loved us so much that he did. Um, you know, and, um, you know, as I was talking, and uh, my mom actually uh, was talking about this shield, you know, when, um, and, and the concept of a shield when you're armoring up. You know, just imagine yourself, um, with about 200 people, huh? Let's just imagine all of us together here, you know, and you all have shields and you all have swords. Um, we have to be able to work together, you know, because the enemy, they're shooting fiery darts at us, you know, they're trying to kill us at any point possible. But if we work together and form in a certain way, the arrows will not come through us. Um, the enemy will will have to work for us, but if we stick together uh, with God by our side, nothing's impossible with God. So therefore, you know, if it, it's all going to work out. And, and that's the same thing that goes for us. As believers, we have to do the same thing. We have to be there for each other. Um, Hebrews 10.25 says, and let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. We have to be able to work. If, if someone is down, it is our job as this church, as Christians, to be able to help pick them up. That is our job. No matter what anybody else says. I know I was watching uh, uh, something on Facebook of... Um, this guy who's, you know, had a lot of money, and he passed by this uh, homeless guy. And the homeless guy asked, hey, can I have some food, you know? And um, at first the guy went over, and, and he didn't give it. And he was walking by, and he bumped into a blind man. The blind, And he said, hey, maybe if you watch where you were going, you would see who you're bumping into. And the blind man said, I'm blind, dude. And uh, that kind of clicked in for him, and the blind said, Blind man said, next time you see someone, why don't you ask what they're going through before you just judge them? So he went over and he went to the um, homeless man and he gave him some food and he said, hey, hey what's the problem? Um, I didn't want to give you money because I thought you were going to use it for drugs and alcohol. And the man said, I've never used drugs and alcohol in my life. I actually used to be a counselor for, drugs, uh, for drug addicts and alcoholics. That right there hit me so hard because we you know we, instead of just being like oh you know she's she's doing this and that and everything I don't want to help her or he or he's you know whatever you know I heard stuff about him I don't want to help him that we're not good Christians we're not walking the walk we're just talking the talk we have to be able to help each other up um ugh, where am I Okay, uh, faith is a muscle that must work, that we must work on to develop. While faith is being developed, faith is also improving our fruits of the Spirit as found in Galatians 5, cha uh, chapter 5, 22 and 23. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The scripture, James chapter 2, 14, tells us that faith without good works is dead. 
we have to work, church. We have to work. If we don't work, we ain't gonna we ain't gonna see any progress or nothing. You, you know, you don't just send a bunch of um, construction workers to a place where it's supposed to be building. You know, they just sit around for months on months doing nothing besides eating. So nothing never gets done. Um, that is why it is so important to put the word of God deep into our hearts. Because when you do, you are building your faith and keeping it alive and thriving. Church, we must and we have to put this to use, no matter what. Which leads me... Um, which leads me to my last point in my sermon, which is point number three, faith is the first step. Um, For you guys who have Bibles or your phone apps or whatever, I would like it if you guys could turn to Luke chapter 8. I will be reading from verse 40 through 48. Um, uh, we are talking okay we're going to talk about Jesus heals in response to faith okay on the other side of the lake the crowds welcomed Jesus because they had been waiting for him then they named a man named Jairus Uh, Jairus, a leader of the social synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come home with him. His only daughter, who was about 12 years old, was dying. As Jesus went to him, he was surrounded by the crowds. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with consistent bleeding. Now, guys who has wives, if that ever happened to you, I'm so sorry. Uh, I don't know if I could ever deal with that. (laughs) Um, Coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe. Immediately, which means happened just right then and there, the bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. I just want to wait right there and um, talk. says, who touched me, Jesus asked. Well, as me and Pastor Luke were talking, he, he kind of put stuff in, into perspective as I was going through this. Which, um, and, and he asked, well, why do you think, Jesus asked, who touched me? I had no idea. And, and Pastor Luke said, well, Jesus, he knows everything. He knows who touched him. He, could, he knows how many hairs you have on your head. He knows how many people were around him. And Jesus asked, who touched me? Well, Pastor Luke and I came to the conclusion where he asked who touched me in wanting to see if the young woman would have had enough faith to be able to say, here I am, Lord. It was me. You know, I mean, God knows everything. So, therefore... He wanted a test. It, like I said, everything's a test. Um, so everyone denied it. And Peter said, Master, 
this whole crowd is pressing up against you. But Jesus said, someone deliberately touched me, for I felt healing power go out from me. Then the woman realized that she could not stay hidden. She began to tremble and fell to her knees in front of him. The whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him and that she had been immediately healed. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Mm, man, can't wait till I hear Jesus said, like, that would be, like, so amazing to be able to hear, dude, like, um, you see, a good portion of my life was misused on competing, complacency, and complaining. I was always looking for trouble or a way to just do something stupid just because I wanted to. I was that young boy who just wanted to do whatever I wanted to do, um, and, and you know, I, I love the thrill. I love the thrill of doing something stupid, you know, that was like, oh, oh, you know, I had a good day today. Let's let's catch something on fire, you know, or <laughs> Pastor Luke, settle down or, or you know, I mean, it, it was really just that. Oh, oh, you know, I had a bad day. Let me make an axe or, or, or whatever it was. You know, I always wanted to do something stupid. You know, that was like my middle name, Sammy James Stupid Duncan, you know, <laughs> um, um, you know, but through all that, you know, I, I, I always practice total disregard for God's grace regarding the ability to surrender to his will. Mm. Having direction, but I never wanted to take what he was trying to give me. So I made excuses but God isn't attentive to complaints and sacrifice. God wants obedience and integrity. You know, um, he wants you to listen and he wants you to obey. The reason why we have two ears and one mouth is so we can listen more than what we speak. Amen. You know, um, thanks, Chuck. <laughs> um, you know, it's just... And I had to be able to learn to just shut up for once in my life and listen to what I have to do. You know, I had to listen to what kind of changes I had to make and uh, where he wanted me to do, you know. Um, and I never wanted to follow God when I was younger. I always said that I did, but I kept on going back to the same worldly and sinful things I did over and over again. You know, it was fun. It was fun to just do my own thing. You know, I never wanted anybody to control me. Um, I wanted to do my own thing, and I didn't care about God. I only cared about myself. And that is when my life started going downhill. I stopped listening to God, and I started listening to the devil. You know, um, I started using drugs. You know, um, I was homeless. You know, and, and being honest, I didn't mind being homeless and using drugs for the longest time. You know, I just thought, man, well, this is my life. You know, might as well live it to the best of my ability. Um, and I had no care for the world. I didn't care about my parents. 
I didn't care about my friends who tried to help me. I didn't care about the people around me. And being honest, I didn't care about myself. I did not care about my life at all. Um, I wanted to do what I wanted to do. And if you didn't like that, well, then there's a door. You know, I wanted to do my own thing. Um, And then one day, God let something really... God let something um, happen in my life that really knocked me into into sense of everything. Um, a year ago, my uh, best friend Rob he um, he took his own life. Um, and as some of y'all who know me, I kind of shared on this on my like um, life testimony. You know, and uh, we decided to do drugs one day, and the next day. Um, you know, he took his own life, you know, October 28th on a Saturday. You know, I went over there, and on a Sunday I found out that he was dead. I was I was sleeping, sobering up from the drug, and my uh, my mom came down. She told me to wake up and go upstairs, and, you know, my mom asked, do you know, Dad, did you or, or Rob ever do drugs? And, of course, I said no. And she was like, do you know, did Rob ever do drugs? And I was like, no. And, um... She she told me that, um, well, we just found out that Rob shot himself in the face. That right there was the light bulb. That was my rock bottom. I uh, I didn't want to end up like him. You know, I've, I've OD'd 27 times in my life. I didn't care about my life. Um, but it took life to be able to save one. And right then and there, you know, I realized that I had to change my life. Um, you know, that that could have been me. That could have been me one day going in and taking my own life. But God had a different plan for me. I wanted to change my life, but never wanted God to be involved. So even with this happening, I still didn't want God in my life. Uh, I was angry. I was very, very angry. I was resentful. Um, You know, I started to change a little bit, but it wasn't the man I am today. Um, I still wanted to do my own thing. You know, I just didn't want to use drugs. And, um, you know, we we call it pretty much like a dry drunk. You know, um, you're sober, but you're not doing anything to change your life. You're just miserable. You know, you're still the miserable same person you are. Just you're not drinking or using drugs, you know. And and in my life, it was Jesus. I was miserable because I didn't have God in my life. I didn't have God showing me where I wanted to do. I was just so angry. At everybody around me, I was angry at myself. I was angry at God most of all. And then uh, I met CJ. Um, I met CJ, and I uh, I remember, you know, uh, when we were over at the sober house, I remember CJ asking, "Hey, you want to go to church?" Nope, nope, not at all. <laughs> Not at all, dude. Nope, nope. And he kept on asking, too. Like, he was like, dude, come on, come on, go to church, you know. And uh, I kept on, I was like, no, dude, like, I, I ain't on that stuff. 
course, I moved in the same room with him, so I was getting bugged 24-7. Um, you know, and then one day, you know, it was a good Friday. One day he goes over and he's like, you know what, you want to go to church, Sam? I was like, dude, I told you, I ain't trying to go to church. I don't, I don't want to be a Christian boy. Well, you know, the pastor has four daughters. <laughs> Let's go, dude. Let's go. Let me get the shoes. Let me borrow some of your cologne. You know, I got to get my fresh on, dude, you know. I remember that. So glad the pastor and daughters ain't here, you know. But I remember, like, I was like, let's go, you know. And, and that, that was the way he, he got me into church, you know. <laughs> Crazy way. I know, right? He had, he had to use the most thing that would get me in there to get me in there, you know. Uh, so thank you, CJ, for that. And as you know, I'm not dating one of the pastor's daughters. I'm dating one of the Ballard daughters, the youngest one. So, Christina, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, Crawford Pesson, yeah, yeah. And when I met Christina, I could not talk to her. So I don't know how she's still with me, but... Um, uh, but, yeah, but like I said, that was just the way CJ had to go in order to get me starting to go back into church. And after that, God did all the work. Yeah. CJ, God used CJ to give me a place where I needed to be, and God did the rest. Amen. You know, <laughs> um, you know and uh, I wanted to kind of be like CJ for a while, you know, I was like, oh, you know, he, uh, you know, he's got that kind of style, you know, oh, well, I know, I know, I know, um, but, you know, after that, CJ just kind of told me, dude, you just got to do your own thing, you got to dress the way you want to dress, you got to act the way you want to act, you know, ain't nobody like you, you're one unique type person, ain't someone second to you, you know, um, and that's why I kind of like Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. It says, don't copy the behavior and custom of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the, the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You see, God transformed me into a man who needed some serious help. When I say serious help, I mean serious help, guys. It's that messed up. Um, but like I said, um, I'm a different person today. I'm not the man who I used to be back then. I am new. Um, and um, I, I refuse to go back to the same man I was. I did not like that man. That man was a psychopath literally a psychopath and uh like i said god god transformed me to a new type person you know um all it ever had been was pain and sorrow nothing good has come from my past of living in the streets or being someone that i did uh, that i was not um i love the guy who is standing right here in front of you today for once in my life i am happy and i am pursuing holiness because of me wanting to get my life together, my parents and I have a better relationship now than we ever have. You know, I can actually call them and 
not care if we talk for three and a half hours. You know, I, I love it. You know, I've got a friends, I got family, um, I got a beautiful girlfriend here. You know, which uh, God God's blessed me in so many levels of ways that I, I could never repay Him. You know, He He just uh, I can see Him now saying, "Well done, my good good and faithful servant." You know. Um. I let God change my life because I could not do it myself. I wanted something different in my life. I'm not perfect, but it's way better now than what it used to be. It's not always going to be easy. Because in John 3 in John 3 in John 16:33 it says, "In this world you will have trouble, but be of good cheer for I have overcome this world." If you let God come into your life, you will see a change in the way you treat people, the way you act in and out of church, and the most important, the kind of relationship you have in Christ. He will change you all over. And in closing, I want to give you guys an opportunity to come down to this altar. I remember asking CJ, well, what's what's the point of this? What is the point of this altar? What's the point of kneeling down? And uh, you know, because I I didn't want to come up, and and he told me it's it's a chance where you can just talk to God. It's a chance where you can just let everything out, and just let Him you know come into your life. You know, um, my life has oh wait no oh, yeah, the faith. Or faith, the cornerstone of recovery, needs to be accompanied by action. Some of us may find it easy to admit we need God's help, but when called upon to actively, actively prove our faith, we step back and refuse. Why is that? Well, it's because we are human. We all have made commitments that we have failed to back up with our actions. But if we actively try to change, then over time, the progress will show. Faith by itself isn't enough. Take that step and let God help you walk through the dark path until you reach the light. If we believe in God, then true faith in God expresses itself in committed actions. The choice is yours. I uh, I remember when I was going through IOP a few months ago and um I was I was talking to the teacher of it and uh you know he, he made it very plainly. Imagine yourself in, in a big hole, in a big ditch and uh someone who supposed to be supporting you throws down your rope throws down your rope. It's either your choice if you want to climb out of that ditch or if you want to hang yourself. It's your choice and your choice only. And nobody can make that choice for you. So, who do you want to be? Are you going to be the young man or woman who prays for the rain but doesn't prepare his or her fields? Or are you going to be the man or woman who works what they want 
for so many years, I did not want God into my life. But me wanting God into my life and me asking and earning for it has changed me in so many levels. I can never thank God for sending everybody in my life who has wanted to see something different in me and who has done everything in their power to help me become the man I am today. I knew I couldn't do it myself. So I had to ask God to help me because he's the only one who can. I love God with everything and I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for him. And I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for the people that he set in my path. God bless you all and thank you for giving me this opportunity to talk to you today. Hebrews 11.6 says, But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. It is impossible to please God. We have to have that faith. Like Sam said, faith is that first step. But faith alone is not enough. We have to take action. We're going to open up this altar we said it's a time where your life can be transformed it's a time where you can say I am going to take that step of faith what is your step of faith today where are you putting your faith are you putting all of your faith into God if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior I'm up here There's other men that are up here. There's other women that will be more than happy to pray for you. If you're struggling with something, we're also happy to pray for you. If you just need a hug and someone to tell you that you matter, come on down. Join with us as we sing and as we worship today.